You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Well, welcome into Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, longtime sportscaster here in the state of Alabama. Lars Anderson, noted author. I hope everybody had a great and very safe 4th of July and a uh, long time no talk to you guys. Uh, I was off a couple of days last week and uh, here we are on Wednesday. Let's get this show moving. Lars, how's it going? It's going great. Tell us about your uh, big adventures over the last few days. Well, uh, it was just fantastic. Um, I don't know if y'all mentioned it. I went to the highlands of North Carolina and just uh, visited a friend that I hadn't been able to spend a lot of time with in like 40 years. So it was beautiful. The scenery was just absolutely brilliant. You're 4,000 feet <laughs> uh, elevation. Uh, lots of really good food, lots of good conversation, and a few bottles of red wine, and we just had a wonderful time. And maybe I'll go into it in greater detail, but uh, I will tell you this. Uh, some of the winding roads up there are absolutely, um, I mean, they're, they're steering wheel gripping. I mean, yeah. I started, I stopped counting the hairpins because Karen, because I would say hairpin and she goes, finally, she said, Matt, they're all hairpins. Just drive. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's a 25 minute drive from where we were to any, any civilization. <laughs> and I'll, now I'll tell you this. It was probably only three miles as the hawk flies. But anyway, it, it was grand. How's your fourth? Uh, it was nice. Uh, I spent a lot of uh, time with my, my three little ones and uh, uh, just on the fourth itself, uh, I, I like to kind of sit it out, right? I, I've uh, I've done the New York City 4th of July multiple times. I've done the D.C. on the mall 4th of July. And now it's just fun to <laughs> watch it on television. I do the same. Um, yeah, and uh, but but I do really enjoy it. And uh, I thought the fireworks this year, especially in New York, were as good as I've ever seen. Holy cow! What a this spectacle in the sky uh, above Manhattan. I think, and, and also having the Manhattan skyline there, it, it makes the fireworks, I think, all the more powerful because it gives you a sense of perspective. And, uh, and it's also very cool in Washington. I mean, I know there's this big debate who has the better fireworks, Washington or New York. And I, I think I would just call it a tie. Uh, it's certainly in, in Washington, it's been my experience that it, there's, there's more space for people to gather on the mall, right? And you can like throw down a blanket and, you know, bring, uh, some food and drinks and, and really ha have a good time. Uh, whereas in New York, you're just all kind of clustered together and, uh, every man's fighting for himself, uh, to get a good view. But, um, wow, uh, a really impressive show and, and, uh, again, just a, a reminder that, uh, it's okay to be patriotic in our country and it's okay to, uh, just really celebrate what, uh, our, our, our democracy, our history. And, uh, and, uh, I thought just, uh, again, both, both shows in New York were, shows in New York and Washington were spectacular. 
Well, I watched the Birmingham Thunder on the mountain once again, and from my the comfort of my den, and it was rather spectacular. But we all should remember the real meaning of this is uh, America's independence, and that's why we set off all the fireworks, and that's why Joey Chestnut won his 16th hot dog eating contest in a row. But a lot happened while um, you know we were enjoying our holidays. Uh, for one, the Stallions beat the Maulers. Jace Sternberger will join us at the bottom of the hour. A uh, really cool story with Ricky Fowler. That happened on Sunday. And the Braves are red hot. ESPN continues to fire people like crazy, which is very disconcerting. But I guess we'll start right there in Tuscaloosa. Um, Alabama basketball, West Virginia's Muhammad Wahi. A 6'10", 225 big man has um, taken up that final slot. 13 now uh, on the roster with uh, scholarships. And this is a a rather big man. So Alabama's got uh, several guys uh, to take up some of that space down low. Yeah, uh, 6'10", 225 pounds from West Virginia. Probably wouldn't have transferred if uh, Bob Huggins didn't step down after his... uh, Incident, I guess we'll call it. Um, and, uh, and so I think Alabama's fortunate to get him. He, he's just, he's a, he's a big bodied guy who has a lot of sort of upside to him. Um, and he's, a he's, he's from New York and he's a typical, like, just rugged New York street baller player. Um, he ended up going the JUCO route, uh, right after high school, uh, and he played on a team in high school that, that won the New York City Public School Championship. But he went to JUCO, became a first team All-American, averaged 14.8, 11.9 rebounds, and, uh, and then played in 28 games last season with West Virginia. Uh, and I mean, the, the stats from last year, uh, are, are Sort of just uh, run at a mill. Uh, Less 10 than minute. impressive. Yeah, ten, 10 minutes a game, uh, four points a game, three rebounds. But I think what he gives Alabama is that needed size, right? Uh, and I think he can be a real force on defense while he develops his offense, kind of like how Betty Ako was a, a work in progress on, on offense. And, uh, and so now, you know, you, you add, um, uh, the, the, the transfer from, uh, North Dakota State, Wagner, or sorry, Nelson, who, who's six foot 11. And, uh, and now Alabama has a sort of a lot of size. Uh, you throw that in with, uh, Jaron Stevenson, that, uh, commit who reclassified this year, the four star. Uh, he's at 6'10. And so I think uh, this is just precisely uh, the, the the player that Nate Oates wanted and needed to round out his roster. Now, will he start? Probably not. But I think he could play a significant role on this team. I don't think he would have left West Virginia if he didn't think he was going to play a significant role at Alabama. Would you agree? I would agree. I mean, there's nothing that says that, but um, you, you just kind of read, you know, you, you read the cards there. And, and I think so, too. And I, I agree that he probably needs some more seasoning, uh, but he'll get that. And I agree coming off the bench. Uh, and we'll see because uh, Alabama appears now to be more um, inside heavy than guard heavy. 
Um, so we'll see. And speaking of guards, Javon Quinterly, I think, surprised many, many people. I know Lawrence and Matt, but um, he entered the transfer portal. And uh, it's the latest report I hear that he's visiting Memphis. Probably a real good fit there with Penny. And um, I think he'll he'll end up there. And, and I have nobody told me that on or off the record. So uh, I think there's a good chance for that to happen, and it'll be a good fit for him in Memphis. But uh, I, we'll, I, I, we'll I don't under I, I just don't understand why he would leave Alabama if it's just to go up I twenty two to Memphis. Um, I get like playing point guard for Penny Hardaway. You get to learn from someone who was just, uh, you know, an all-star at that position, much taller than, than Quinterly. But I, I just, uh, I don't know. The reporter in me, Matt, thinks that there's just more to this story that we don't know about. Well, it, uh, as I just said, to be redundant, it took a lot of people by surprise. But, uh, I think Alabama will survive, and to be very blunt, I, th- I think Alabama will have a better basketball team than Memphis. And who would you rather run the show for, <laughs> Memphis or Alabama? Memphis is good. Penny's good. They've got good players, but they're not like Alabama. And right now, they're not uh, they're not uh, a marquee team when you talk about college basketball, whereas Alabama is. But yeah, there may be something else, and we may never know about it, but uh, it was an interesting enter, enter into the transfer portal, to say the very least. Yes, absolutely. And uh, But I, I like what Nate Oates has done with his roster reconstruction, you know, with having so many guys leave the program. Um, you know, going in the NBA draft and, and, uh, and then with Quinterly transferring. Um, and so, uh, and then, you know, two first round selections, lost three assistant coaches. Um, and so now we're going to see, uh, I, I'm excited to see that the North Dakota State transfer, uh, Grant Nelson. I, I think he really can flourish in this offense where he's somebody that can play with his back to the basket or he can, uh, you know, uh, go out to the wing and, and shoot the deep ball. And so, uh, I'm excited to see how he can do. I think he could play at a very high level. And uh, also uh, on Monday, the Tide um, did finish out, uh, uh, or NATO's finished out uh, his hiring uh, of assistant coaches with uh, getting, uh, tabbing um, Preston Murphy as a special assistant. And uh, he's going to have on-court and on-campus recruiting duties. And uh, he... Uh, Murphy was, uh, I think he comes from Creighton, but, uh, uh, yeah, so he, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's good that, that, that Nate Oates, or I should say it's impressive that the, the program really, after being the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, the program almost, you know, uh, it's it splintered in many different directions. And I, and I think he put it back together as, as best he could. And even though he didn't have really any of his assistants with him during the, the critical part of the recruiting process, he didn't lose a, they didn't miss a beat. Uh, and, uh, and so that will be, uh, 
uh, a, a good thing moving forward, right? I mean, that, that is how you sustain uh, uh, playing at a, at a high level. And so far, so good for Nate Oates, you know, through the beginning of his career here at Alabama. Yeah, he gets it done. And it's it's an interesting question. Nobody's using the transfer portal better than Nate Oates, and uh, that doesn't just go for this year. You know, he picked up Sears. Uh, Quinterly was a transfer, but that may have been before the portal. I think I'm remembering that correctly. So um, he really went to the portal this year, and it looks like he – he uh, came out on top, and now Alabama will be, and I think we said this last week, before uh, Y.E., uh, and we'll see how all those work out when um, Alabama starts getting together for practices this fall. So uh, they're right in the running once again. So, And by the way, I guess, uh, did you see Brandon Miller in the last couple of days played summer league in the NBA? Yeah, yeah. He, had a, <laughs> he got, he had got a beat bucket. up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he had a bucket and maybe three or four fouls at halftime. But he came out in the third quarter. He made uh, four threes, I think. He ended up with 18 points, uh, seven or eight rebounds. Uh, but he also had seven fouls. And you have to remember in the summer league, they allowed 10. And one of the great quotes in the article I read is Brandon Miller said, well, if if they give you 10, aren't you going to use them? Uh, and I think part of that had to do with this true rookie status uh, in the NBA. And, it, you know, first start in a situation like that, uh, even a guy with that skills, uh, Brandon might have been a little bit shaky. I think he also had six turnovers, but that is more to be more than to be expected when it comes to playing against the best in the entire world. So I would say he's off to a really, really good start. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, I think when it's all said and done that, uh, I'm, I'm picking him to be the rookie of the year over the number one overall draft pick, the Phenom from France, who, uh, went to, uh, the Wimbayama. Uh, yeah, Wimbayama, who went to the Spurs, uh, number one overall. And just because I think Wimbeyama is, is a little bit of a work in progress, uh, and, uh, and we'll, we'll see if he can come in right away. I mean, I know that he played on a high level league in France. Uh, he led them to, uh, a championship. He led his, the entire league that he played in. And this is a, one of the most amazing stats in, in scoring, rebounds, block shots, uh, and I think steals. I mean, the guy is just, uh, he is a physical freak of nature and, uh, he will be special. But I think in year one, I really like Brandon Miller. I think he's just more polished and I think he can step onto the, any court in the NBA. And, uh, for any team and he'll get you 20 a night, 20 and probably, I don't know, six boards, five assists, somewhere in there. I mean, I think he's going to be a great addition for Charlotte. Who would win if they just one on one? They just went one on one. Well, right, right now I'd take Miller. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. We're off and running. This is big noon sports. Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Back to talk about the Stallions and Ricky Fowler. What a huge win that was for the young man from Oklahoma State. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. 
This is Big Noon Sports. Your home, Our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education, and excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Weather. Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds with a chance of showers and thunderstorms this afternoon and early tonight. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. For tomorrow, partially sunny. Scattered showers and thunderstorms develop Again by afternoon, the high 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Seth Shire is running the show. Back at our flagship station, Tide 100.9. Thanks to all. And also the Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage, our title sponsor of Big Noon Sports. Uh, we're going to talk uh, in depth about the Stallions' second consecutive USFL championship with a, a very convincing second-half performance as they defeated the Maulers by a score of 28-12. to 12. Let's talk about that briefly, and then uh, we'll let Jace do the majority of it when we get to the bottom of the hour but um it's this this game was so stallions they kind of mix it up they, they they don't look real great on offense or defense although they didn't allow pittsburgh an end zone uh all their points come from came from blewett the kicker he had uh, four made field goals but in the second half it just seems like the stallions put it together and Alex Magoo was, once again, he was fantastic. He threw eight touchdown passes in the two postseason games, and there's a reason he's the most valuable player of the USFL in year two. Yeah, I, I want to go and do a deep dive on, on Alex at some point today. Um, I, I think there's no reason why he won't be in the NFL next season. I mean, he is special, special, special. And um, I know that uh, Skip Holtz, he was asked about uh, Magoo after the game. And, I mean, just in a very sort of measured voice, calm, he just said, quote, I think he's as good as I've ever been around, and I've been around a lot of NFL quarterbacks. That's mighty high praise. Uh, and, and, and for Holtz, I mean, this is just, uh, for Skip Holtz, who's been so kind and generous to us, uh, sharing his time. He now is the first coach to win back-to-back championships 
and in, in any sport since Golden State in 2017, 2018, and the first coach in the 21st century to win titles in his first two seasons as a pro head coach in any sport. So, uh, look, I, I know that some people may sort of roll their eyes at that because it's the USFL. But nonetheless, uh, facts are facts. And, uh, and Skip Holtz, he just, he did such a great job both last year and this year, not just with the X's and O's, but just like managing the, the chemistry of the team. I mean, in both years, you could tell that the guys really liked each other and they played for each other and there weren't like clicks on the team. And, and there's so many little, uh, things that, that, that can divide a team. And that never happened because once, and also once things go off the rails a little bit, and I've seen this when I've embedded with different teams over the years, both college and NFL, and NFL Europe is once, once things go a little wrong, it really can spiral out of control because you know what guys start saying to themselves, I don't blank blank and, uh, they don't care. And so they are basically just, they, they start looking at the calendar. Okay. When is our last game? I mean, that can happen as easy as early as like week two. I've seen it. And, and for this team just to stay so, uh, uh, focused together and they just dominated. I mean, they dominated, uh, Pittsburgh in that second half. And, uh, I gotta say, it, it, it made me really proud to be from Birmingham watching these guys play because they play with a toughness and, uh, a, a just, uh, a, a, a tenacity that is sort of the, the hallmark of really good football in this, in this state, right? And, uh, and it extends to, to Alabama, to Auburn, you know, all right at UAB and, I just feel like that, that they fit in well here. Skip Holtz and his style of play fits in well here. How about, how, your thoughts, Matt? Well, you know, we talked about Magoo and his chances to get in the NFL and it would be criminal if he didn't. It'd be actually, it would, it would border on ignorance <laughs> because he, he needs to be on a roster. He need, needs to at least be in camp. I think the same is true for Sternberger, as we've talked. But I don't think we've gone into as much depth about Skip Holtz. Um, I think he has played his way into an upper uh, college coaching position and maybe a shot in the NFL. Uh, I think most of the coaches in the USFL are making about a million a year, which is not bad at all. But uh, he could more than quadruple his salary at a college level right now. And because I still see signs that he knows that he 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 carries a lot of the college game into the USFL, and I think that's one of the reasons this team is so bonded, like you just talked about. Um, I'm, you know, they just Daryl Johnston, who is the president of the USFL, announced last last week, and I think we all knew this that there is indeed going to be a third season of the USFL. I just wonder how much the two-time champs are going to have on the same roster again, because uh, I think every four guys are going to be—they're going to get looks. Oh yeah, yes. And um, I correct me if I'm wrong, but everybody's going to be playing in their home stadium next year. 
And so I don't, there's not going to be a pod system like there was this year. And there's not going to be like year one where every game took place in Birmingham. I, I, I believe that's correct. But, um, I mean, just look what Skip Holtz did with, um, with Alex Magoo, right? Like he was so raw last year and he really like, you know, he was great when the plays would break down and then he would just improvise. But he was not great at reading defenses and doing just the little things that a quarterback has to do to manage the game. And it's like Skip just taught him. He, he molded the, the clay, you know, so to speak. And, and, uh, I mean, he taught him just how to, uh, win football games, how to put good plays on tape. And, and ultimately it's going to get him a second shot at the NFL. And, uh, I think it's possible that, that Magoo could become like the poster child for what the USFL is all about. It's all about giving guys back into the league. And, uh, you know, with NFL Europe, Right, which was the the forerunner of uh, of the USFL in a way, it was really a quarterback developmental league, and uh, you just you go and you look at all the guys who came out of NFL Europe: uh, John Kitna, Jake Delome, who led the Panthers to a, uh, um, a world or a Super Bowl appearance; uh, Brad Johnson. Uh, he, uh, uh, he played for the London Monarchs and he goes on to win a Super Bowl, lead the top of Tampa Bay Bucks to a Super Bowl. And then, oh yeah, uh, Kurt Warner played for the Amsterdam Admirals and goes on to become a two-time NFL MVP and Super Bowl champion. So there is that path has been established, right? From sort of a, a minor league into the, the big league of the NFL. And I think the USFL is a lot like NFL Europe in that it could become a, a league that really is, again, uh, it develops quarterbacks. Because what do quarterbacks need to develop? They need to play. Yep. And, uh, and, and that's what you can get, uh, in, in the USFL. You can be seen, put tape down. And uh, couldn't be happier for Alex Magoo and, and everyone else on, on the Stallions, especially our man Chase. Yep, and uh, he's going to join us on the other side of this break. He ended up being the leading receiver in the USFL. We'll go into some stats and some other information. But first, let's let's uh, take pause for our sponsors. And when we get back, we'll be talking to all USFL tight end Jace Sternberger and uh, their accomplishment. 28-12 over the Maulers. They win it all. By the way, we got to talk about the Reuben Foster strip of Magoo. Oh, man. Wow. That, that changed the game. But, you know, I think even if that had stood up, I think the Stallions have still won that game. Of course, they still would have been ahead, too. Anyway, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. Back with Jace in a moment. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, 
Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days. Check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millard. Fiori, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. The only one, one of the only games we didn't score this year was against Memphis, where we were about to, but we threw, it went off our receiver's hands for an interception. But I know we scored over 80 points this year in two-minute drill, and wow. you do the math, that's, that's about we had 13 times, 13 touchdowns in 12 games. And so we, sometimes we did it first half, but there's been a couple of games where we did it first and second half. And so I think that's what gave us like our confidence going into the, the second half was that shit, we scored right before two minutes every time. We scored during the two minutes drill every time. And then now we're going to the locker room. And another thing that people don't realize is we won the coin toss, I think, 10 out of 12 games this year. Really? We got ball at second half. We got ball second half all the time. And hmm. so we just scored two minutes. Now we got to go, oh, we were like, oh, we know we can score on these guys now. Then we come out second half, and so that was the longest answer I know, but that, that, that's No, that's good stuff. That's, uh, that, that's the Bill Belichick formula, right? I mean, everybody credits him for trying to do that. Him and Tom Brady scored the end of the first half and get the ball to second. Um, have, okay, Chase, two questions. One. Has your agent been fielding calls from NFL teams? And two, how, how was the uh, victory parade on Sunday? Uh, the first question, yes, we've been getting phone calls. Uh, I'm honestly in no rush right now just because, ow, sorry, a fly almost flew in my ear. That is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back I'm back in Oklahoma with my – I got my son, and he's with, he, we're at the grandparents this weekend, and he uh, – so and we're just outside, but I, I just had a fly about flying my ear. Sorry about that. <laughs> yes, the agent has been taking phone calls, but uh, we're in no rush right now to make a decision because – at this point in my career, it's all about the best fit and what's going to be the best situation for me. So we just don't want to, you know, just jump to the first thing that happens. We kind of not wait and see like we're like I have all the time in the world, but also want to go about it the right way and not rush something that we don't we're not 100 percent sure on. And uh, the parade, it was great. I give Birmingham major props because it started pouring rain and they were out there cheering us on. And it was really fun to be a part of. So that was that I think everybody was on zero. I, I hadn't slept the whole time, so I was exhausted. But that rain and then hearing the fans, that kind of woke me up a little bit. It gave me another energy. I noticed something that I, I think really fit the Stallions and maybe the league as a whole at the end of the game. You know, I, it's a professional game, so I mean, if you guys wanted to, you know, pop bottles of champagne, that'd be okay. But instead of that, did I see a table that was like full of 40s? And that was the That's greatest celebration. Yeah, that was the greatest celebration in the history of celebrations, by the way. And what's so funny is, like, at first, like, I didn't even know that they had bottles up there. I just started getting drenched and stuff. And I'm thinking of champagne. But when I tell you that smell of the, the 40s and the 
fireworks, that smoke smell, that was one of the worst combinations ever. <laughs> but I'm laughing because it's 40s and it's having so much fun. But then I'm like, wait, wait a second. I'm pretty sure the USFL has a deal with Miller Highlights because every week, Miller Highlight, they do a custom beer bottle with one, with a graphic of whatever the player of the week was. Because Alex has like four of them. And so uh-huh. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So, Joe, we're going to celebrate with Miller. So it kinda, I kind of put two and two together at the end of the year. But I, at first, I was like, we really have 40s right now. Like, this is going to be all over. That's all everybody's talking it about was. on social media. Yes. <laughs> you, guys, you, guys, you guys were drinking 40s, and I'm like, that might be the new thing. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I, I was. I was like shocked when I first when I saw it, and then I just checked twi- Twitter, and everybody was just, "Oh my God, this is so great! This is so great!" Yeah. And uh, it I was back everybody's. Yeah. It brought back everybody's freshman year of college. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, Including us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't know uh, that. I, I was wondering, I was going to ask you whose idea that was, and clearly it was the league. But, um, you know, after teams win championships, uh, so many different guys have told me over the years that it's the plane ride home that is, like, the the, the most special thing. Can, can you put us on the plane and, and what it was like coming back? Uh, well, not to be anticlimactic, but I'm telling you, well, because so that was made it kind of fun, more fun in a way too. Was Canton, everything was closed down. It wasn't like we just had the super the championship in Vegas and we could all just go to a little club and just drink and have fun with our friends. Like majority of us were all in the including the coaches. Like the whole USFL, like uh, Daryl. Like I mean, everybody was down there in the hotel lobby. Like we were all just you know hanging out celebrating there. But then once the bar closed. Nobody left. I mean, of the the, um, the older adults, they, they left. But, like, player-wise, I mean, and some of the coaches, they stayed down there. We all just stayed and talked and just – we were just hanging out down there. And so, like I said, nobody slept. Everybody – like, we, we make jokes because our office, the line coach, he's older. And uh, we were all staying up late. And I made a joke. I was like, watch, one of our coaches is about to come down here and say good morning. Sure enough, it was about 545, and Coach Calloway comes down there. And he's like, good morning, fellas. And we, we just thought that was so funny. But – to answer the plane ride, I think everybody was so exhausted. I was like, we got to catch up on this hour of sleep before we have to go do this parade. And so, for the most part, everybody was knocked out on the plane ride. <laughs> Just That's to let you stuff. know, um, we've known Callaway for a long, long time. And that surprises me zero. That is so Neil Callaway. He went to bed, got up 545, comes strolling through, I guess, to get breakfast. And I can just see no, him. No, it was, uh, he grabbed a bottle of water and like coffee grind. <laughs> so I was just like, okay. He's so old school, but he's a heck of a coach too. Heck of a coach. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate you being uh, with us and uh, would like to check back with you from time to time, especially if we get information that you're going to somebody's camp because it's certainly deserving. And uh, you've been a lot of fun to have on our show, and uh, we all appreciate it. I know our listeners do. Thank you. No, I appreciate you guys having me. I, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, Ch- thank you, Jason. Uh, yeah, my three little kids, uh, you are their favorite player. So they are, they're anxiously following you and your career. So, uh, best of luck. And I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll have a great opportunity in the NFL. Um, just, I mean, man, just go and Google yourself and so many different stories pop up of, uh, different teams already discussing you. It's pretty cool. And, uh, uh, really good luck with everything. 
Thank you Thanks, very much, Jason. guys. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Get that. Stay away from that damn fly. <laughs> no, I'm about, to, I'm about to go crazy in this car. I got to get it out of here. Okay. I'll see you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Okay. Bye. Wow. What a good guy. Um, and uh, what a good memory. And I, Lars, just to go back, I was uh, I was watching with my buddy up in the uh, the mountains of North Carolina, and I went, "Are those forties?" And uh, then I think they made mention of it on air. Um, but um, that was a really cool way to cap off a really cool season for um, for the Birmingham Stallions. And I got a question for you following this break about the Stallions' popularity. And moving forward to next year, I want to pose that to you on the other side of this break. And then that briefly, and then we got to talk about the man in orange this past Sunday. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Community in their clothing around town on game days. Check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley. Luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds with a chance of showers and thunderstorms this afternoon and early tonight. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. For tomorrow, partially sunny. Scattered showers and thunderstorms developing again by afternoon. The high, 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, Matt and Lars. Thanks for dialing us in. Really good TV, good golf TV this past Sunday. And Ricky Fowler, who really, really challenged for the U.S. Open. Uh, he has been playing top of his game golf, but he just hadn't developed into a victory. But it did Sunday, and he had to do so in a playoff, and he had to overcome some obstacles, which he created himself. But uh, then the approach to 18 was just beautiful. And, Lars, I say this, and, and I'll think of a couple more, but um, Jack Nicklaus winning the Masters in 86 at his age. I think he was 46. Um, that's just that's a, a golf finish that I'll cherish. Tiger winning the Masters uh, when he came back from all his difficulties. The memorable, memorable victories, but... Ricky Fowler's win and the way he handled himself post-round just, it made me feel even more. He made him more, if possible, is more popular in my mind. Yeah, uh, Ricky's been knocking on the door here for about six weeks or so. Um, In his last four starts, let's see, he tied for 13th at the Travelers, uh, tied for 5th at the Open, Ninth at Memorial and then sixth at the Charles Schwab. And, and you mentioned the U.S. Open. I mean, he looked like he had a great chance to go, 
um, to go from hole one to, to the final hole as the leader. And uh, he led the open for three days, but then imploded on Sunday. And he just he could not make a putt. And he made costly bogeys uh, that took him out of contention pretty quickly at the open. And, you know, Ricky, he reflected on that after uh, the win on Sunday. And he thought that, you know, the last two weekends helped him. And he just he was he kept telling himself, I don't need to be perfect. I don't need to be perfect. I just need to keep doing what I've been doing. Just keep grinding. And, uh, and his caddy was working with him on that. And you always hear sort of, uh, NFL coaches, they tell their quarterbacks all the time, you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to score a touchdown on every play. And, uh, too often, I think Ricky would try to go for the spectacular shot rather than just, you know, if you hit an errant tee shot, just take your medicine and chip out rather than try to take the risky shot to the green, right? And, uh, and I think Ricky is, uh, I mean, his game is on and he's got, he has so much game. He's so fun to watch. Uh, he is, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a pretty slight guy. And yet he can absolutely bomb it. He's charismatic. He's, he's really smart. Uh, I mentioned that, you know, I've, I've spent time with Ricky and, and just a very impressive, impressive guy. And, uh, I think it's just a matter of time until he, um, wins a major. But this ended a four year long drought for him. Right. And he was kept getting closer and closer and closer. Now he's finally over the hump. So what does that mean for the British Open coming up? You know, can he can he do something special there? I mean, I, it, it all depends on it, whether or not he's really good at Lynx uh, style playing. Uh, and I'm not sure of that. I'd have to look into it. But, um, yeah, he's he, you know, he's as popular popular as they come i think on the tour right now with american fans uh and uh and you know justin thomas is right there with him and it would be nice to see jt and ricky sort of re-emerge right not just sort of as uh, as 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 the uh, faces of the pga tour but also to get the results, <laughs> right? Rather than just uh, sort of uh, be uh, the, the, these popular golfers who keep coming up short, and uh, and and JT, I mean, he had he had his moments, and uh, I think his game's coming along as well. Certainly hope so because um, he's not only a national favorite, world favorite, actually, but uh, he certainly is here in the state of Alabama. Um, one of the really cool moments was uh, when he came off 18 in the playoff with a victory and his wife and his child right there. And he was very, very quick to point out how happy he was with the win. But he's equally as happy, actually more so than um, than being a dad, being a husband. And um, that's the stuff that endears you to your fans. But it was genuine. I mean, he meant every word of it. And it was really, really cool. And um, as I've said a couple of times here, uh, I think his fan base grew <laughs> enormously, and especially after that quote. So it was uh, it was a good, good finish. And um, way to go, Ricky Fowler, wearing the orange on Sundays. That's a pretty cool tradition of his, too. 
Yeah, he uh, loves to honor Oklahoma State. And, uh, yeah, it was a very cool moment between him and his wife, Allison, and uh, their their baby daughter, Maya. And um, there was a long time there that people didn't think Ricky was going to get married, that he was just going to play the bachelor, <laughs> enjoy the bachelor life. But then he met uh, Allison in 2019 or 2017, I believe. And then uh, they got married in 2019 and had their daughter in 2021. And so, um, yeah, I mean, gosh, golfers and NASCAR drivers, I, I don't know how they do it, but they do it. Yeah, they do. And, uh, man, did you have a chance to watch any of that, uh, the goings-on at the, uh, what's it called, Grant Park 220 in Chicago? First ever <laughs> road race? Yeah. Uh, the guy that ended up winning in his first NASCAR start, okay? The first driver to start his initial NASCAR event and win since Johnny Rutherford 60 years ago. But it was the New Zealander Shane Van Gissenberger. Van Gissenberg, I should say. But uh, did you watch any of it? I found that race absolutely captivating. I, I, I unfortunately I did not. Um, and I know I, I, to me, like the, the story coming out of that race was Jimmy Johnson and the fact that he was going to race in it and he had to pull yeah. out. Um, and we, we spent a lot of time talking about the tragedy last week that affected the jimmy jimmy johnson's family um but uh i I love road courses and uh, i did see the layout seemed pretty cool and uh not surprising that a ringer you know dropped in and and won this thing remember boris said said or boris said yeah he's really good friends with tiger woods yeah well that's odd i didn't know that but but remember boris like he would just show up at watkins Glen and then out at sonoma and he would win two nascar races every single year it seemed like or at least contend and he uh, contended and he he was he was really good at it but he was also just such a cut up and a character. Oh yeah, uh, he's, he could have been a awesome. comedian. Yeah, he's yeah. good. <laughs> it was a, he was good copy, as we say in the business. So yes, um, yep. Shane Van Gisenberg, who raced on the Supercars series, which is in New Zealand. It's a, it's a. They're kind of stock cars. They're uh, Mustangs and Camaros, uh, but they're just shaped and designed and motored differently. But um, it was good to see him, and it was. Uh, I don't want to say funny, maybe entertaining is a better word, of how a lot of these really veteran NASCAR drivers uh, didn't handle it very well. Of course, it didn't help that it rained, and I think that also helped, uh, as they're calling him Kiwi now, I think that helped him because he'd raced in rain under conditions like that under a, a, a street course, and it's a road course with 12 turns, but I think that probably helped him as well, but um, he certainly earned it too. Um, you know, I'm big. I'm a big motorhead, and I really, really enjoyed watching that. And, uh, man, the people in Chicago, man, did they turn out. Yeah. And did you see where I just read a brief story about this a minute ago that uh, some guy last night, Somehow, or the night before, got managed to get on that course and run his Corvette. (laughs) (laughs) Now, that would have been a lot of fun. Anyway, I look forward to him doing it again next year. 
and also doing it in dry. Let's see if uh, see how that makes the playing surface and field. All right, hours into books. We'll be back with more big noon sports and one of our favorites, Steve Irvine, will join us on Big Noon Sports. Northport in W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. What may it be? You can forget about it. Touchdown, Alabama. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It's the second hour of Big Noon Sports on a Wednesday. Seems like a Monday. And a lot of people took Monday and Tuesday off. And when you couple that with a Friday and a Saturday, you got one really good weekend and holiday. And many took advantage of that, including our Town Square media po- folks. And I appreciate that. Uh, gave me a, a couple of extra days to unwind from my, my mini vacation with my sweet wife, Karen. Headlines, uh, West Virginia's 6'10", 225-pound Muhammad Waki is uh, going to play for Alabama. He's gone through the transfer portal. Um, he played in 28 games last year. Had uh, what I would call, um, uh, what would how would you describe his stats? Uh, um, like uh, yes, that's very yes, that's perfect. And uh, yes, yes. So and then he's going to do the dirty work, I think, uh, under the boards. He's going to be uh, the enforcer at the rim. Yeah, and um, you know, Bob Huggins uh, resigned um, under pressure, we might add. But um, he's coached a few big men in his life, and uh, if he has that Huggins, that Huggy Bear grit then he is going to be a great addition to Alabama. Uh, meanwhile, Javon Quinterly, who's entered the transfer portal from Alabama, is working out with Memphis. That may work out uh, with him. Uh, Stallions beat the Maulers over the weekend, Saturday night, 28-12, win their second USFL championship. We talked about Ricky Fowler and uh, his big win on Sunday. But, Lars, you've got victories lined up and uh, predictions for the upcoming 23 football season. I do. Um, I just want to mention first, though, we're 67 days away from the first Sunday of the week one of NFL regular season. And a lot of different people have been doing countdowns and saying, okay, 67 days away, who is the best player in the NFL to ever wear 67? And our good friend, Gary Burley, he wore 67 for the Bengals. I, I think Gary has to be in the conversation because there have not been a lot of great 67s over the years. Most people will tell you that uh, the best 67 is, or do you want to take a guess? Man, that's one of those numbers that not off. I mean, when you mentioned it, I went, oh, my, I can't even come up with one right now. Uh, I want to give you a decent guess. I also want to stall long enough to look it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but now, I'm Bob, not doing. Uh, I'm not Bob, doing either. Bob Kuchenberg uh, is is considered to be the best six time Pro Bowler. 
uh, offensive lineman, one time, first time, one, one all pro, uh, named to the all pro team one time and won two Super Bowls, um, with, uh, the Miami Dolphins, correct? Yes. Um, okay. So th- this comes, uh, what I wanted to get into was this comes from, uh, a, uh, a, a from Colin Wilson, who is a senior writer at uh, the Action Network HQ, which is uh, they basically uh, they deal with sort of the gambling aspect of of sports. And right now, he did a uh, 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 a projection of which college football teams are going to be favored in the most games. And and it's not surprising that some of the best teams are going to be favored 12 times. And that would be all 12 regular season games, correct? Um, Alabama is going to be favored 12 times. Georgia, Louisville... Michigan and Washington. So if you look at that, and then, okay, who's going to be favored 11 times? Well, it's going to be uh, Clemson, Florida State, Liberty, North Carolina, Ohio State, Oklahoma, which I find interesting, South Alabama, Texas, Toledo, Tulane, Utah, Wisconsin. So I, I don't know if we can really sort of divine anything from that other than that Vegas is already saying that the two best teams or probably the three best teams in the country going into the season, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan. And I, I think you probably uh, – I, I think that's a, a, that, that's a fair assessment, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Um, that doesn't surprise me. The the big four, uh, three or four there, but Louisville. Um, I, I guess that's based more on schedule than it is talent. Is, yeah. is that unfair? <laughs> no, it's um, not. But um, Clemson, Florida State, I can get that. And Florida State's back, um, or, or we'll certainly see if that's true this year. But some of the lesser known football giants that are on this list, and again, I will say. A lot of it's due to schedule. But um, there are some teams um, outside the Big Five conference teams that um, are going to make some noise, in their, certainly in their respective conferences. But um, teams like Tulane, do you notice how good Tulane was? Didn't they end up finishing like 11th or 12th in the yeah. AP poll? Yeah. Um, and they've got their coach back, their quarterbacks back. Um and, and Utah's in there. Of course, Utah's been good. Um, but then you go down to 10. Let's, let's take up the ones that will be favored in 10 of their games, Lars. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I just moved. Oh, away. I've got I was, it I was, in front of me. Yeah, go ahead. Um, okay. It's Air Force, Baylor, Boise State. There's another one of those teams that could get into the playoff picture. I say picture. Um, Coastal Carolina. They've been good for a while. Maryland Navy. Ole Miss is going to be favored in 10 games? Mm. Does that sound right? I mean, it's, yeah. on, it's on Collins' list here. Yeah. Oregon, Troy, and Western Kentucky. So 
Uh, and I don't see Auburn here yet, but I guess well, and I don't see them on this list. They own this. This only goes to nine favorite wins. Yeah. So there's there's also a flip side here, right? Um, who is going to be the underdog the most in 2023? And again, this is uh, according to uh, Action Network's uh, Colin Wilson. And so there's two teams that are going to be underdogs in 12 games. And this is kind of surprising to me. Stanford is going to be an underdog in all 12 games. Then the other one would have to be Vanderbilt. Well, Western Michigan. Now, this, Matt, is going to require some analysis from you and some analysis from our upcoming guest. Which teams are projected to be underdogs in 11 games? Charlotte. No surprise there. Colorado. I mean, look, Deion Sanders is getting all this hype, but Colorado is not a good team. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what, what happens with them. But but people projecting them to, you know, make a bowl or contend uh, for a Pac-12 title, I'm not seeing it in year one. Uh, okay, so other teams that are projected to be underdogs 11 times in 2023 – FIU, Kent State, Nevada, UMass, Virginia Tech, and the UAB Blazers. They are going, well, uh, now they may be underdogs, but they're going to win some of those. Boy, I I just, I I didn't, I just, I, I, that, I don't, I don't get that. Like, is UAB, are they just, has that team been totally gutted by graduation? And I, I, Steve will let us know. Um, but, you know, I think they've got a good quarterback room. Of course, um, they lost their running back in the NFL, and he's going he's gonna to have a good career there. Um, but we'll have to do that dive with Steve Irvine. In fact, we'll do it in just a couple of minutes. But um, I would not have thought that at all. Is, is Auburn in there anywhere? I mean, because then you'd have to go um, through all 121 teams. No, I, but uh, uh, for projected 10-loss teams – uh, you got Vander or ten teams that are going to be underdogs ten times. Uh, you have Vanderbilt, uh, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. That's interesting. Uh, you wouldn't think that Oklahoma State was going to be down uh, as much as, as uh, apparently uh, Vegas is projecting them. And then with nine times being underdogs uh, in the in the twenty twenty three season, you have Georgia Tech, Indiana. And uh, Northwestern, so that gives you a sense that, at least according to Vegas, uh, via um, via Action Network and Colin Wilson, that the, the bottom feeders of the pack, or the, I'm sorry, the bottom feeders of the Big Ten are going to be Indiana and Northwestern. I'm still puzzled. Now I'm looking at the schedule of UAB. Uh, and you said they would they were going to be underdogs in 11 of their 12 yeah. games 11 of 12 yeah well they start with North Carolina a and T I would think they'd be favored there let me just run through those and and, and, and let you comment real quickly on each of them yeah uh, Georgia Southern um, that's Georgia. in Statesboro so I can understand I them being favored yeah. there um, the raging Cajuns ah that's that's in Birmingham. Uh, then they go to Georgia, to Tulane, 
So I think those I can understand them not being a favorite there. Um, South Florida, that's in Birmingham. They're not going to be favored in that one. I don't know. Um, nope. Yeah, University of Texas San Antonio. They go out to San Antonio. Well, you think um, they'd be favored in that one? I I would think so. Memphis and then Florida Atlantic. Um, they play at Navy. You know, uh, of course, Navy was one of those teams that was going to be favored in ten games. So, well, you, uh, you never you never want to play Navy. Uh, Temple, uh, just no. because of the weird style of, of offense that they no. run. They run an option. Yeah. And then Temple. The Temple's coming here. They're not going to be fake. Uh, do you uh, know this Colin guy very much? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, but but Brett, Mc, Brett McMurphy, I've never met him. I've never heard of him. But Brett McMurphy, who we both know very well and who's well, been on our show, uh, one of the best college football reporters in the country, he put it up on his Twitter feed. So I'm giving uh, Colin some some a wide berth here. And, yeah, he, he's legit. Although, you know what bothers me? when <laughs> When anybody puts that they're a Heisman voter in their bio, I just tend to dismiss them because everybody, everybody and their uncle are, it can be a Heisman voter. Uh, but he does have 22,000 followers, so. Well, it's, uh, it's interesting. I'm going to try and get him on and ask him about UAB and the others as well. In the meantime, we'll ask our guy from UAB and the Stallions and much more. Steve Irvine on the other side of the break as you listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. This is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds with a chance of showers and thunderstorms this afternoon and early tonight. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. For tomorrow, partially sunny. Scattered showers and thunderstorms develop Again by afternoon, the high 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big News Sports, Matt Coper, Lars Anderson, Seth Shirey, and our guest, weekly guest, 
I should say, is Steve Irvine. Steve Irvine is a long time, very good, very an outstanding sports reporter and writer, but also uh, just an even better guy, to be honest with you. Steve, what did you do on the 4th? Uh, relaxed. Um, I took care of the dogs because they were going crazy with all those uh, fireworks and uh, might have even stuck in a beer or two. You know what I read real quick? I read where some people were feeding their dogs some type of dog gummy. Have y'all heard that? No. <laughs> no. Like a no. CDB thing that would just make them pass out, make them go to sleep? I, I have the heard. Way. <laughs> what, what, the other way? What's the other way? Uh, they start asking for tacos. <laughs> well, there you go. We now, well, I will say th- I will say this: We did give our dog Benadryl, our, our two oldest dogs Benadryl, and it worked really well. Matt, you know my dog Charlotte. She is so crazy that she actually loved it. She loved it. She loved the fireworks. I mean, just just I don't understand it, but uh, <laughs> to understand well, Charlotte is to understand Lars. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is there, true. There you go. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, um, Steve, we were just talking about uh, UAB. And a, uh, a writer for, uh, the Action Network, uh, went through each game for every team and determined who was going to be the underdog or the favorite. And he has, uh, for the, uh, for who's, what teams are going to be underdogs most often in 2023. And that's, uh, 12, 12 games, every game, uh, Stanford and Western Michigan. And then, uh, for being underdog 11 times, one of the seven teams that he lists is UAB. And Matt and I sort of, uh, uh, had a, were struggling to understand this, uh, how UAB could be a, a dog in 11 of their 12 games this upcoming season. Do, do you see it that way? No, I don't. And it's funny, I've, I've had to talk a bunch of people off the ledge today, a bunch of friends that are texting and, and calling about, you know, hey, did you see this? And first off, it means nothing, which is good. Uh, and it's, you know, just, it's off season stuff. But I went through the, you know, I went through the schedule and, and, and I, I just don't see it. I mean, okay, so if you're saying 11 games, you, certainly you don't have North Carolina A&T as, as a, as a favorite over UAB. So that so it's you're that, saying everybody it's that else too, yeah. And, and 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 yeah, and so you're saying Temple at Protective is favored over UAB. I I don't I don't get it. I don't get that. I mean I really don't. And and there's there's quite a few others in there too that I look at and I think oh, you know I, maybe I could see it, but you know I you know I don't I think UAB is better than North Texas. I mean I I just think I think it's it's silly, and it's it's why I don't like preseason team, you know, all, you know, all conference teams and, and predictions and things like this because they mean nothing, but they get you all worked up. And I guess that's fun to get worked up and try to figure this out, but I, I don't, I don't agree with it. You know, I, I you know, hey, I, I would, I, I don't think they're favored in, you know, on paper and, you know, maybe they're favorite, you know, maybe I, Maybe I pick half, maybe, or, or, or that, they, that I would say, okay, they could be favored in that. But certainly, you know, being the, the underdog in eleven out of twelve, and and and, and again, the only, 
Unless, unless again, unless you're saying North Carolina A and T is favored than everybody else, I just I don't get it. I you know I don't. Mm-hmm. But hey, we're talking about it, right? And which is what what they want. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, I I find it hard to believe. Uh, he does have. Uh, for being favored in the most games, uh, Alabama right there being favored in every single one. And, and you, you would agree with that, right? At going oh, yeah. from, from where we sit right now. Yeah, where we sit right now. And I think the, I think the big thing here that, that you have to look at at UAB is nobody really knows what kind of college coach Trent Hilfer is going to be. I mean, they really don't. And I think that's, that's what this is all about. Kind of like, uh, in 17, when you know UAB was rated the you know, 130th team in the, in the country because nobody because they're just coming back from the death penalty and nobody really know, knew what they had. It's sort of the same thing with Dilfer, and they look at it and they go. And I've seen some people recently say, well, you know, they've got a high school defensive coordinator and uh, Sione and 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 you know uh, Mortensen's never called plays and and just all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot of question marks. I tell you what, having the Ability to see them in the spring and see the staff work and see what kind of talent they have. I certainly don't. I would. I would certainly have a different opinion than a guy like that who who has no clue what they have or what they look like in in, in person. So I, I think there. I think that's a big difference right there. Hey, um, how about them stallions, Steve? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Wasn't it? Yeah, they. Uh, yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of did what they what they do, you know, and and, and you know now we sit here and see what's uh, you know what's going to leave and and what's going to come back. But uh, you know it was it was it was entertaining. You know the thing that amazed me about that game was I thought Pittsburgh did a great job of playing keep away, but they still you know they had they still couldn't stop it. So no matter how many times they got the ball, they were going to score. And uh, you know other other you know. Other than the end, probably, but but you know that was pretty amazing. I mean, that was just amazing. You know, an amazing season to think that uh, to think that what, all they lost during the season and you know the dot job that Jack Potter did and, and you know kind of bringing guys in that uh, you know filling spots when they you know key guy. I mean, they, you know, you, you look back and or you, you it's easy to lose sight. They lost seven players after week one to injuries. Seven players. Out of forty or out of fifty-two, at fifty-three, and and you know, and they were big-time players for him too. So to do that and to still, you know, still have a you know win, what would they go ten and two? Uh, that's pretty pretty impressive. Steve, you covered this team since the inception, uh, and Alex Magoo, obviously on the team last year and this year. How much improvement have you seen from him from the very first time you saw him play as a stallion to where he is now? And that was league, and that's league MVP and certainly looking like a, a quarterback who is going to get every chance in the world to play in the NFL next season. Uh, it's, it's literally, it's literally night and day. I mean, he's, he's a totally different guy. If you, you know, if, if I didn't know, I, I wouldn't think it's the same guy. You know, I really, I really wouldn't. And I do think part of it is he stayed healthy all this year where he didn't last year. And he came in healthy last year, but, but, you know, he got hurt pretty quick or, you know, got banged up fairly quick and, and, uh, really quick actually. And, and so I think that's a little bit of it, but, but just, I mean, what he's done, you know, the player he's become is, you know, I, I didn't, I, I'll, put, I'll put it this way. 
I would have never guessed it after seeing him at the first of last year. I would never. If you had told me at the end of next season he's going to be what he is right now, I'd have said you're crazy. I mean, I, I really would. And, and I do think you've got to really give uh, Skip Holtz a lot of that credit uh, for, for letting him be him. You know, and I think that's the key thing that, that Skip's done with him. He, he doesn't. He doesn't, you know, I, sometimes he reels him in a little bit, you know, but but not much. I mean, he kind of lets him be him, and and when he um he does a great skip has done a great job of when Alex Magoo gets outside himself a little bit, tries to be too much, to let him do it, then pull him over and say, see what happens. You got to pull, you know, you got instead of trying to cut it off, you know, before before he does it, he lets him do it, and then says, okay, let's quit it. And uh, and I think that's for a guy like Magoo. I think that's 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 very important. You know, when Magoo was uh, drafted by Seattle, Pete Carroll, the Seattle coach, absolutely did not want to let him go. He and mm-hmm. he thought about turning him into a safety, right? right? And then a different coach thought about turning him into a Taysom Hill type of player where he plays like a wide receiver and he just he just he's so athletic you just don't want to lose that and I think you're on to something here like letting Alex be Alex so what does that actually mean to you what you know you just turn this guy loose because we saw in the championship game you know him trying to make a play and uh, the, the strip sack Right. Right. But, um, you know, they, they overcame that. And we were talking to, uh, uh, Chase Sternberger earlier, the tight end for the Stallions. And he said he, he hadn't seen Alex on an improvised play, uh, sort of come out on the short end like that all year. Um, so where, what kind of quarterback would he be in the NFL? Well, I, I think first off, I think that play probably helped him in the long run because uh, he he realized that you know that he can't do that all the time. So I think I think that's one thing that's that's happened. To him. There's been a couple times this year where he's he's had a play not quite as bad as that, but where he'll he'll uh, try to do too much and and either almost throw an interception or throw an interception or or, or you know make a bad play out of it. And he learned from it. You can see him learn from it. Here's the thing, too, I think that we, we need to, to um, kind of look at with Alex Magoo when you're talking about his future, and, and especially when you're talking about when, with Pete Carroll, what he thought of him back then. Physically, he's so different than he was then because of the diet he started. And, I mean, you look at pictures of him when he was with Seattle and, and in FIU and stuff, and he's, he's a lot he's – not, he's not fat, certainly, but, I mean, he's just a lot – Chunkier looking type guy, you know. It's almost it's almost hard to to uh, tell it's him sometimes. Uh, you know, you have to you have to look real close. And I think that with his body transformation that he's made, you know, part partly because of the you know problems he's had with his with, with his diet, and you know uh, that, that he had to go to this diet. But but I think he's much more disciplined now. And by hearing him talk, he's much more disciplined in the way he eats and the way he lives, really. I think he's got a much better chance of sticking now than he did back then. And, and, and like you said, I think there were people back then, Pete Carroll and probably some others that saw him and thought, man, we got to find a way to keep him. But they just couldn't. But I think with, with where he's at right now as a person and as a player, and, and again, with his, his body so much different, I think he's more athletic now than he was then. So I think somebody's going to find a role for him 
to be that Taysom Hill or whatever. You find a role for him with his athleticism because he's better. I think he's better right now than he's ever been as a football player. Steve, can you hang through the break with us? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Steve Irvine is our guest on Big Noon Sports. When we get back, we're going to talk about another player that was in that championship game that I think is maybe more destined for the National Football League than, I don't want to say Magoo, but um, he certainly, I bet he plays in the NFL. We'll address that on the other side of the break as you listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Big Noon Sports Network. Community Service Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. At Patterson Comer, we invite you to contact us with any questions concerning legal issues that are a result of personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, or 18 winter accidents. Our business is to take care of your needs. Call Paul Patterson in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000 or Mike Comer in Northport at 205-759-3939. Patterson Comer Law Firm, the commitment to serve our clients, does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Visit PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representations made at Legal Services provided by Patterson Comer is greater than any other legal services performed by any other lawyer. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Fiore, Grayson, and Mizzen and Main. And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at Christopher Mobley. So check out Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, redefined. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Big News Sports, Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and Steve Irvine. We were talking about that play with Alex Magoo where he lost the handle and it looked like it was going to be a fumble scoop and score, but in fact there was a penalty they had to call it back. But um, it, he was just an absolute B.A. all year, and that's Reuben Foster. Um, do you guys, I have no doubt he'll be in the NFL next year. I'm going to start with uh, Steve and then Lars, you respond as well. Do you see that? I'd be shocked if he's not. I mean, I, I, the, the way – and when he was healthy this year, you know, that was him every week when he was healthy. Now, he missed a few games because of some nagging injuries. and, and But um, when he was healthy, he, I mean, he did that every week. And the one thing that I really thought watching that game, he was the only guy to me all year that would could, could kind of out, out Magoo Magoo a little bit. I mean, you know, some of these plays were – where he, including that one, um, you know, where he tried to get to the to the corner a couple times, and 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 he's um, he's running him down. You know, I mean, he Foster's running him down, and and Magoo still made plays off of it. You know, by throwing the ball or whatever. But 
I just thought athletically he was, uh, you know, cut above uh, pretty much any other def- or most other defenders in, 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 in the league. So I, I would be shocked if he's not uh, in a camp and with the team next year. Yeah, there have been uh, whispers that uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are very, very interested in him. Uh, again, he played for the Pittsburgh Maulers. So uh, the Steelers brass uh, has been uh, had an up close uh, view of him, and uh, and even a uh, a former Steelers linebacker said that he's going to end up playing for the other Pittsburgh team. Uh, that was Vince Williams uh, who said that, but um, you, you know uh, there, other other people have have mentioned that as well. And uh, look, when Reuben Foster is healthy. And he is right now, and he's just sort of staying the the course. He's as good, Steve, I think, as any linebacker. Not obviously not just in the USFL, but he's right up there with the elite in the NFL. I totally agree, Lars. I mean, just watching him play, and even the first week, you know, when he he played his first game in Birmingham, you know, his first of the season in USFL, and he was he was. Um, you know, he hadn't played in three years, and you could tell it for about the first maybe quarter. You know, he didn't really make a play, and make, you know, but he was he was almost kind of just trying to to sort of feel his way back in the game. And for like the last three quarters, he was—I mean, he was by far the best player in the field. The guy was running around making plays, and 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 really looked like he was having fun doing it too. And I think that's with him. I think there was a time in the NFL when when he was going through some troubles. Where it wasn't fun, you know, and, and, but you watched him in this league all year when he was healthy and he looked like a guy who was out there having fun, you know, and, and, and that makes a difference with him. If I could follow up real quick, um, when he was at Alabama, to me, he is the most violent defensive player of the Saban era. Like he would deliver hits that absolutely would, uh, separate uh, running backs or wide receivers from consciousness, right? Like he really would <laughs> deliver blows. Uh, do you see that same player running when he was uh, with the, playing for the Maulers this, this last season? Absolutely. I mean, you look at the hit he made on, on Magoo in that uh, early, early game, or I think it was the first series or second series, uh, fourth down play. I mean, that was the, the sound on that, you know, and that was a great thing about that. You know, they're, they're, TV broadcast where you could really hear the game and the sound that he had on Magoo there. I mean, that was that was violent now, and uh, and 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 really, you know, that was that was him every time. I mean, pretty much every every play he made. That's that's just what he does. And I mean, I I, I can tell you, just even watching when I got to see him in person, and also just watching him on TV, he was about as fun to watch as anybody in the league. You know, obviously Magoo was fun, you know, fun to watch, but I mean, I think Reuben Foster, just watching him play was, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to watch him. And the dude is, it's amazing. Not only is he violent, but his, his sideline to sideline is like nobody in that league. I mean, there were, there were times he made a play against, against, uh, in the first game against Birmingham where it was a quick out. He was, he was lined up inside and they ran a, like a quick out to, uh, I don't remember who it was, to one of the receivers. And the guy got blasted out of bounds, and I thought, okay, well, nice hit, you know, good hit. And then he gets up, and it's it's Foster. And I'm like, how in the world did he get out there before anybody else? You know, I think that corner had slipped or something. But 
his sideline to sideline is just it's amazing. It's amazing to watch. So he's fun. He's just a fun dude to watch play. That hit on Magoo was one of those where if you're a Stallions fan, you're going, oh, please get up. Because um, <laughs> yeah. you're right. Um, and that's one of the things let's discuss for just a minute about the USFL. I, I think their television coverage, well, by the way, they're owned by Fox and NBC, so it, it should be right. really good. But I yeah. think their use of sound, uh, in addition to drones and helmet cameras, uh, has been nothing but great. Oh, no doubt. I mean, some of the stuff they do is tremendous. And I think one thing they've done too that I, that I, that I enjoy is I thought early last season they, they, they relied too much on the let's hear the play call and let's hear the, uh, you know, let's hear the game more than, um, it, it got kind of old. I mean, it got kind of where, you, where you, they were there, you know, their announcers would, would go four or five plays without saying a word. And it just got a little too much. And I thought this year was much better of, of, you know, really capturing the, you know, you got to hear the game, but, but it didn't take over. You know, you still have the announcers talking. You still had a kind of a traditional uh, broadcast at times mixed in with hearing the game. And I thought this year, I just thought, and I thought last year was good. I just think this year was, was so much better. And, and I just enjoyed watching. I, and I did enjoy. You know, it's fun to it's fun to hear some of the players, some of the funny stuff they say, and you know, and 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 do, and and some of the you know, some of the times like they had a great time. We had one about midway mid season. I remember who where it was. It was on the road where uh, Skip got after Sternberger really bad, you know, really hard, and you got to listen to that, and and that was kind of cool. And I remember talking to, to Sternberger the next day, you know, the next week, and he was laughing about. it. He's like, man, I didn't I didn't know they were listening, and. He said, I, I get, you know, I get it back in the, in the locker room after the game. I've got, you know, a hundred voicemails or a hundred texts like, man, he really got after you. And he's like, I had to stop and think, like, what are they talking about? You know, cause it's just a natural part of the game to them. But for us who don't, you know, who are not down on the field, it's, it's something that's just kind of fun to watch. Steve, I want to switch topics here, switch topic here really quick. Um, on to ESPN. And the fact that ESPN uh, laid off about uh, 20 members of their on-air talent pool last week. Uh, Gene Wojciechowski, we just found out, was let go. Um, you know, the likes of Susie Colber, uh, Jalen Rose, Jeff Van Gundy, Keyshawn Johnson. It's a long, long list. And then I, you know, I looked up Disney which owns ESPN, their operating profit grew 56% last year to $12.1 billion. So what's going on here? Do you have any sense? I mean, other than pure greed, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I, I don't know how you, you look at um, – I really don't know. If you care about your product, I don't know how you look at David Pollack and say, you know what, we're going to be better off on you know game day or, or your college football coverage without David Pollock. Are you kidding me? That guy's sensational. Yeah, he is. I mean, he, he, he is. I mean, and and you can go kind of go down that list of you know most of them that I you know that I follow. There's a few on there that I don't really know much about, you know that much about. But you know, just like the boxing guys, I don't I don't really watch boxing, so I don't know that. But but the ones you know the ones you mentioned, and and again with Pollock, I mean, you look at me like. If you care about the quality of what you do, 
how do you even think about you know, letting Susie Colbert go? If you care about the quality, I don't get it. And, you know, other than and other than greed, it's the only thing I can think. And and um, you know, unless you have different ideas of what you know, other people you want to bring in, I, I guess. I, I mean, I don't know, but it, it was it's really sad. I mean, it's really sad because it's it just sort of hits me. You know, like like newspapers. You know, it's a sort same sort of thing where you where you lay off people that um, you know that are tremendous, incredible, and. and um, just for whatever reason, just for uh, again, it's, to, to me, it's all about greed, and 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 I don't understand. And and you know, there's a few other, there's a few few people on there that I think they let the wrong person go. You know, and I'm not gonna name any names, but I mean, I think that happens. And and so I don't know. I mean, I, I just um, it's sad. It's sad. It really and it hit me. I mean, I just it just it, it made me sad. It really did. Matt, you were gone last week when the news uh, came out of all of these layoffs. What, what is your uh, what is your interpretation uh, analysis of this? Well, first of all, it seems like they picked all the people that I really liked and respected, yeah. and some that I really don't care for are still there. And and I don't know if that's just you know because of my opinion that I like. I really, really like Susie Colbert, and Pollock is just unbelievable. And and let me footnote this real quick. I really have always respected Reese Davis, but he stepped up. I mean, he didn't say this is a bad move, this is horrible, but he did step up and said, uh, man, Pollock, he's one of the best guys we got here. And then what he said about... um, uh, Wojciechowski says, this guy helps me more on game day than anybody else. So <laughs> why are you getting rid of a guy that helps Reese Davis, who's the lead anchor of the show? Why do you get rid of him? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, over the past few years, past few decades, uh, ESPN has taken several turns that I disagree, that I uh, did not agree with. Uh, don't agree with any of this. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I... I I guess it's money. Is that what it is? I mean, but, yeah. you know, I, I didn't hear that particular. But I don't watch ESPN much anymore, guys, except for live events. Um, it seems like a lot of their, like, in-studio analyst shows, they just end up yelling at each other. And, and mm-hmm. I, I don't get a whole lot out of that. Even Stephen A. Smith is now saying, well, I could be next. Well, I think we all know that that's a lot of BS, but you know what? Stephen Smith is a lot of BS too. I like. Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually, I, yeah, I, I want to. In the next segment, I want to talk about that, Matt, about right. Stephen A. Smith. Well, let's let uh, our own Steve, Steve Irvine, get back to his week and best to your family and uh, good luck with the dogs. And uh, we hope that uh, everything goes well. We always appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you guys. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, Steve. Um, I want to hear what you have to say about Stephen A. Smith all over the board with it. And also, gotta get a, gotta get a plug for my Braves. Of course, everybody in the world in Major League Baseball and baseball is keeping up with him now with the offensive number. With the offensive numbers that he's putting up. We'll talk about those two topics and more as we wrap up the Wednesday edition of Big Noon Sports. SEC sports like Pitsu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports.
Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. At Patterson Comer, we invite you to contact us with any questions concerning legal issues that are a result of personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, or 18-wheeler accidents. Our business is to take care of your needs. Call Paul Patterson in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000 or Mike Comer in Northport at 205-759-3939. Patterson Comer Law Firm, the commitment to serve our clients, does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Visit PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representations made that the legal services provided by Patterson Comer is greater than any other legal services performed by any other lawyer. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds with a chance of showers and thunderstorms this afternoon and early tonight. The high today, 92. Tonight's low, 73. For tomorrow, partially sunny. Scattered showers and thunderstorms developing again by afternoon. The high, 91. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 88 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Sports, Matt and Lars, we wrap up the Wednesday edition. We've been talking about the firings at ESPN, David Pollock, Todd McShay, Steve Young. It's another guy I like. Uh, Ozdowski, Keyshawn Johnson, Jeff Van Gundy, Susie Colbert, and now Stephen A., although he has not been dismissed, has thrown his name in there as potentially getting fired as well. First of all, this guy is very, very popular. And second of all, he's making a whole lot of money, though. Um, is that where ESPN is going here? Because you're certain they're certainly not making these moves because the people involved are poor at their jobs. Yeah. So, um, man, I don't even know where to begin with this. But um, Stephen A. Smith, he is compensated pretty well. Uh, 12 million per year, according to most reports. But that doesn't mean he doesn't think he's underpaid compared, uh, and he said this to some of his, um, colleagues who have a different skin color than him. And then, uh, on, uh, a- after the layoffs were announced, um, Stephen A, um, he briefly touched on the issue of race, uh, when he was discussing his feelings about, uh, being uncomfortable right now about his job security. And, um, this is a topic that I normally don't really like to discuss on air because, uh, words can be, uh, and statements can be sort of misconstrued. But I just want to, uh, you know, just state what Stephen A said. And the quote was, uh, don't ever, ever, ever in your life as a black person take anything for granted. I've told you before, when white folks catch a cold, black folks catch pneumonia. Now, if I'm correct in seeing who has been laid off, it, it's, uh, I, I would, I, I don't have the full list, like right in front of me right now, but it's, uh, it's, it has nothing to do with being white or black, right? I mean, Susie Kolber, uh, Gene Wojciechowski, Jeff Van Gundy, uh, the list is long of, uh, and, and to me, these layoffs have nothing to do with race. But 
I think what Stephen A is trying to do, and this is just me, uh, it, it seems like he's trying to put the race card out there before ESPN does something. I didn't think about it that way, <clears throat> but I, oh, I just found his. I found a difficult his. I found his. I found his. Said Lars. Yeah, I agree, but I just found his comment. Like I, I don't disagree with what he said. I don't disagree that when white uh, with the, the the metaphor that he's using, when white folks catch a cold, black folks catch pneumonia. I don't disagree with that at all. I just think it's, it's inappropriate. It's yeah, it's just inappropriate to bring it up right now uh, because it doesn't fit the context, right? And I think, and, and it's just my humble opinion that uh, that that Stephen A is a little out of line here. And I've actually well, grown to like. I've actually grown to like him. I can't I believe I'm like saying that when he, when he feels he has to yell. Um, that's just not good broadcasting. I know I'm old school, but I think a lot of new school people don't like to see two people yelling at each other. Um, as what what did Skip Bayless and um, uh, is it Ty Shannon Sharp? Shannon Sharp. That's, yeah, that's Sharp. That show I mean, should have had good content. It didn't. It had a lot of yelling. No. I mean, Sharp uh, Sharp left because he but, literally because he can't stand Skip Bayless. Neither right, can I. But, uh, <laughs> and why, why did he get fired? Why don't you fire him? Uh, but uh, I don't yeah. think his statement is timely, and I, I think it was, uh, in my opinion, it was dismissive to those that had been dismissed. Yeah. Well, we can just leave it at that. And uh, I, I, it just it felt like a preemptive shot over the bow. Uh, so it's so you're saying if I'm, if it's, it will be more difficult for ESPN to take the action if they were planning to do so. Yes. And then he planned it that way. Yes. That makes him pretty darn smart, really. <laughs> you know? I guess. Um, uh, I mean, that, that's just, again, I have no, uh, other than I've known the dude for a long, long time. And, uh, and, and <laughs> it, it, it is, it is mind boggling that uh, he's the highest paid employee there making 12 mil a year and one he thinks he's underpaid but uh two um yeah of course when you have a high salary you you bet you're gonna be in the crosshairs of course when when a company is in uh salary cutting mode who do they look at first the guy who's making the most money I mean, it's not rocket science. I mean, do you think they wanted to let Susie Colbert go? You think they wanted to let Keyshawn Johnson go or Jeff Van Gundy or Jalen Rose, uh, Gene Wojciechowski? I mean, uh, no. I mean, these guys are the best of the best. But um, at some point, you know, uh, we all find this out. And everybody, everybody finds this out. We're all replaceable. We are all replaceable. Where does Pat McAfee fit in all this? Isn't he making seventy-five million over five years, something like that? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I just wonder he, how the others feel. They, they're letting me go, and I'm making nine hundred thousand dollars a year, and they're paying this guy seventy-five million, uh, nine hundred thousand. I hope that's what I said. But anyway, um, it's it, it's all a, a big, big mess. And here's something else. Uh, I wonder 
if they've let go 20 here in the last couple of weeks. What about behind the scenes? How many really good producers oh, yeah. and uh, photographers and, uh, you know, PR editors? people? And, yeah. 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 Uh, you all, think they're I getting mean, let go at the same rate? Yes. And more so. If, if not more. Yeah. I mean, you know this of being uh, in uh, all the different jobs you've had throughout your career. It is the people who aren't on camera who are perhaps even more important than the people who are on camera, right? To 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 make the operation work and um, the the support. I mean, even the even at SI, right? It, it's like. It's not just all about the writers. It's about the people who support you, the fact checkers, the editors. Um, you, you know, the list is very, very long. And, um, yeah, I mean, ESPN, they're, they're just, they're, they're, Disney is gutting ESPN. And I'm still not sure I understand completely why. Um, again, Disney, uh, as a company reported operating profit, uh, of, uh, it grew by 56% last year. 56% to 12.1 billion. That's not just Disney. No, that's Disney. That is Disney. Okay. So, uh, that's the company of Disney. And so that includes, uh, you know, the, the, the parks and, and, uh, um, and, and they, uh, yeah, I mean, Disney, they announced in February that they were going to cut 7,000 people across all of its businesses, right? And so ESPN cuts, or the ESPN employees knew that the cuts were coming. And also, I mean, you look at other different, uh, media companies, including The Athletic, National Geographic, and CNN. They've all let people go recently. They've undergone cuts. Uh, at some point, this cycle has to reverse itself. <laughs> if anything, I think it'll help young people uh, in getting into the industry because there's going to be a more uh, of a demand for people with less experience. And frankly, that, that means that they would command a lower salary. Well... Um, a couple of things to think about until um, we pick it up again tomorrow. But um, were they literal firings? I mean, right in the middle of their contract? Or was it just, uh, we're not going to renew your contract? And here's the one question. When you're making that kind of money, um, and I think I would be this way, are you willing to stay and take a little bit of a cut? Because I, I think a lot of these people would. I don't know because I don't know their their individual situations. But it's a lot of a lot of pride, a lot of pride. Yeah, you're right about that. And then when Hubris. you get to that level, you know, somebody else is not taking a cut, then you don't take that kindly. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, Lars, thank you, thank you, Seth. Let's do this again in 22 hours.